check. All right, we're working. Sound and good morning. All right, that was all right. Good morning, good morning. Yes, this is the second Sunday of Advent. Aren't you guys excited? There's a Christmas tree, and uh, you know, everywhere you go, it is just bustling, right? Well, today we are continuing the series. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Toby opened up our uh, Advent series by uh, starting with the beginning of Luke. Um, you know, this season, this Advent season, that's what we're in right now. And Advent just means coming. Okay, and in this context, we're talking about the coming of Christ. Right? So this whole month during December from uh, you know, from the beginning of the month up to Christmas, we are going to be continuing in this season, this story about the birth of Christ. Now, last week we started off as we introduced the Gospel of Luke. If you've never read through the Gospel of Luke, I highly encourage it. It's uh, one of my favorite Gospels to read. Uh, and one of those th reasons why is Pastor Toby last week explained that that Luke is an amazing, amazing person, right? He's an educated man. He's a doctor by trade, and he opens up his book with a nice explanation. And then after that, you don't hear kind of his voice anymore. He doesn't say, I this or we did that, or he just tells the story. But as we think about last week, and we revisit that, uh, Luke 1, 1 through 4, I'm going to reread that. And Luke, in this introduction to his gospel, he says that many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that, we, uh, that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. He's writing this to Theophilus. So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So we have Dr. Luke. He's writing this book initially for Theophilus, but you can put your name in there. Uh, because he's saying that you, Phil, would know the certainty of the things you have been taught. That's the reason why he's written this book. Now that word, that, that word, that certainty, you may know the certainty of the things you taught. That word is asphalia. Okay, that's the original word, and it means secure. And this is the type of secure that is like solid, okay? This is the same word that in the New Testament is used to describe prison bars, okay? So this is solid. It is immovable. It is stable. It is secure. It's not possibly or maybe or you can draw your own conclusions. This is Dr. Luke saying, Theophilus, I have diligently researched this and sought out all these details. I've experienced them myself, and you can be sure, you can be certain that these things I tell you are the truth. Certainty. Last week, Pastor Toby gave us a message full of hope as he preached about the birth of John the Baptist. 
In Malachi, the prophet says that before the Savior, before the Savior comes, Elijah will come. Malachi 4, 5 through 6 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Now we learned last week that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were very old, beyond the age where they were able to have children where they normally would be having children. We also learned that they are faithful people. You know, I believe that they had been waiting on the Lord for a long time. In this culture, society, being barren, not being able to have children, it had this stigma about it. You know, people assumed things. They said, you know, most likely they must have been cursed. They must have done something wrong. You know, maybe they wondered, oh, these guys look good, but they must have done something because, look, they never had any kids. And I just think that, you know, there was probably a time in their life where they had been waiting and praying and waiting and waiting. But at some point, I myself would have thought, well, you know what, we kind of passed that point. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, I don't think we're going to have children. And they maybe accepted that and just moved on. What we do know, again, is that they were faithful. That as we see them, as we hear about them, as we meet them in their old age, they were faithful. That God says that these people were righteous people. They lived in a way that was honoring to God. And so Zechariah, he meets the angel Gabriel. He is a priest. Zechariah is a priest. So he knows, he really knows the scripture. He's in service. And he goes, he's, he's actually, we, we learned that, you know, he was, uh, his group, if you will, was on duty, on call. And then out of that group, they uh, cast lots, almost like uh, it's a by chance, if you will. Um, so they would... Um, kind of almost like roll the die, right? And they said, well, you know, God's going to pick the right person. And, and out of that, Zechariah was chosen. And so it's in this perfect timing that he goes in and he is offering sacrifices. He's over at the altar where the incense is. And then the angel Gabriel is there. Right? Now, Zechariah, he would have known all these things. He would have known Malachi. And so what does the angel say to him? He tells him, hey, Zechariah, you're going to have a child. And what does the angel say? He says in Luke 1.17 that John, this son of yours, John will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this encounter, this thing that happened, right? Luke is is making a point to say, hey, we're all looking for the Messiah. We've been looking for the Savior. We've been waiting for Jesus to come. And what do we know? We know from Scripture. We know that Malachi talked about, you know what? Before the Savior comes, Elijah's going to come. And he makes it a point to show that, look, John the Baptist, his miraculous birth, that is fulfilling that. And what happens after 
Elijah comes, the Lord's coming, right? And this is so exciting because that's where we are today, is that after we learn about John the Baptist being, um, you know, foretold, and and now, uh, you know, that's going to happen. And here today, we learn about the birth of Jesus being foretold. So what I'd like us to do is, if we can go to today's passage, is Luke 1, 26 to 38. Um, in the NIV, it, it'll be up here. If we could all read together, then, then let's do that. Verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Wow. I mean, how amazing is that? Remember, Luke has told us that we can be certain of these things, right? This is something that really happened. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's journey, in the sixth month of her pregnancy, she's well along, right? But this is the first time that Mary is hearing about it. They didn't have Facebook back then, right? She didn't get the status update. Um, You know, they didn't have phones or email or or anything like that. So Mary has no idea. But God has been at work in her family. The first thing that I wanted to point out today is that God is at work. When you read the Bible, when we read the Word, we find that God is the main character. He's the one that the focus is on. But He invites us into the story. He chooses, he favors, he calls us into his story. But I think sometimes we lose focus, right? We think that we're the big deal. Sometimes we put all the focus on ourselves, and what happens? We lose track of the main character. We lose sight of what God is doing. And today's passage started off saying that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. God sent, right? God initiated. 
God put into motion. God chose to go to Nazareth. Nazareth, the small town in Galilee. This is not a hip, cool, affluent, even really respectable place. Jerusalem is the center of, of power and worship for uh, the Israelites. And, and we, we see that, that you know, this is the holy city. It looked down, all those people, they looked down upon Galilee with contempt. And Nazareth, it was like, man, that was even worse. Nazareth is a poor town. It's a rough place. It's a place that is in between places that you would want to visit. It's mixed with Gentiles and it's overrun um, with Roman soldiers as well. There's probably a lot of questionable characters that, that chose to live here. It's not really a place that you would want to live in. And we even see this, uh, this sentiment, we see this kind of feeling uh, later on in, in Jesus' ministry as he was beginning his ministry and calling his disciples in John 1, 46, as Jesus is calling uh, Philip and Nathaniel. Now, Philip, he goes off to, to, to bring Nathaniel in. You know, he's saying, hey, Nathaniel, come on, man. We found the Lord. We found the Savior. He's the one that they've been talking about, that more Moses foretold. And how does Nathaniel respond? Because he tells, because Philip says, hey, we found him. He's Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel says, Nazareth? What? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, like, like, are you serious? Not like, oh, that's awesome. You found the Savior. Let's go. But he's like, Nazareth? Wow. You know, I don't know. But he ends up going and and. And so we see, we, we know that Nazareth is not the place that you think God would choose to do his work from, that God would choose to include in his plan. We read that the angel is sent to a virgin girl named Mary. And some things that we should know about Mary is that she is betrothed, she is engaged, she is uh, said to be um, you know, in this covenant with Joseph. And we know from the passage we read that Joseph is a descendant of King David. It shows his lineage. But Joseph, he didn't have any royal rights. You know, he didn't have uh, wealth or, or anything like that. We learned that later. He's so poor that when they go to the temple to make sacrifices, you know, they're able to sacrifice these doves or these birds when the proper thing should be a lamb. And that sacrifice is only allowed, it's only allowed for the poor, the very poor that are unable to give a proper sacrifice. So Joseph was very poor. We know that Mary, who is engaged to Joseph, she's somewhere around 12 to 14 years. Uh, historical accounts, one account says 12 years, and another says 14. It's a good guess. It's somewhere in between there. Uh, that was normal uh, you know, for that, for that day and age. In Jewish marriage practices, you know, the marriage arrangement was something that was agreed upon by the parents. It was something the parents arranged, and then once everything was agreed upon, then the process uh, began, and there was a year-long period of, of engagement or waiting. And in this, uh, this year-long time span, they were able to both prepare uh, for their life together as well as it was also kind of a, a, 
a built-in safeguard of sorts to make sure that this girl that is being wed is a virgin, that there's no baby in the oven, that, you know, they can't just, okay, hey, let's just rush and get married, and, and nobody in the town will be the wiser. Again, this is a very small town, right? And so there's this year period that they're in. And in this culture, if that girl was found to not be a virgin, then she would at least be divorced. And, uh, you know, at most she would be killed for her sins. Uh, That would be the punishment. This engagement, this betrothal is is so serious. It's seen pretty much the same as being married. uh, Whereas during this waiting period, if like, for example, if the man passes away for some reason, that woman is actually a, a considered there. She's a widow. And, you know, that's how she's treated is she's a widow now, even though they never consummated their marriage. They never actually were together. So um, and, and vice versa, that man would would be widowed if if uh, the woman passed away during that waiting period. Right? For them to break off an engagement for any reason, they the, the legal proceeding would be to file a divorce. It'd be like the same thing. Okay, so again, I'm just saying this to emphasize, this is where Mary's at when the angel comes to her. Let's get back to the story. Mary is greeted by Gabriel, and he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, we know from the scripture, it says that Mary is troubled by this greeting. It's almost like she isn't frightened by the angel. If you think about it, she isn't really even addressing, wow, I'm, I'm confused that this angel is here. But she's worried about the greeting that has been given to her. Right? Mary knows who she is, or who she believes she is. Right? She knows where she is. She's a nobody, just another poor girl, Engaged to be married to a good but humble poor man. They will have children, live out their lives, and die just like many others in their town. They will most likely live unremarkable lives. Why is this angel greeting her like she is someone special? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary, she's perplexed, she's puzzled, she's troubled by this greeting That's like this greeting for someone that's amazing. She's like, whoa, that's not me. Why are you greeting me like this? And then Gabriel's response is, hey, don't be afraid. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And Gabriel just drops this huge bomb on Mary that, that you're favored. Not only are you favored and chosen by God, but you will give birth to a son named Jesus. He will be great and called the son of the most high. And he's going to rule. And that name Jesus, it's the same name as, as Joshua. Okay? And, and what, what that means is God's salvation, or directly it means Savior. So she's being told 
that, hey, you're going to have the son and you're going to name him Savior. So Mary, who thinks she's just another nobody, receives this crazy news that she's going to be somebody special indeed. She's going to give birth to the long-awaited Savior, the Son of God named Jesus. And what we learned just a few minutes ago was that Mary is in this stage, in this place of this process of marriage, where if she's found with child, she will at the least be divorced, right? Cast out in society, rejected by all. And at most, she would be executed. So this was not an easy thing to wrestle with. But I believe that she is responding in faith. Because remember when Zechariah, last week, when we learned that Zechariah, he he meets this angel, the same angel Gabriel. He finds out he's going to have a son. And what does he do? He responds in disbelief. He's like, how is that going to happen? Really? We're old. Like, how is that possible? Come on, Gabriel. Right? And then, boom, right there we know that his mouth is silenced, that he's unable to speak until John is born. That, that was like maybe a punishment for his disbelief. It's like he meets this angel. The angel tells him all these wonderful things that, hey, this is your son. He would have known, hey, he's supposed to be fulfilling this, this place of Elijah coming and the Savior is going to come. And he's, ah, how is that going to happen? You know, really? So that's his response. Well, Mary responds here, and actually this week, as, you know, my life group, we had a great discussion, um, you know, and I was thinking about this more yesterday, and I think really Mary's response, part of the, the thing that's so amazing about her is that I think her response is, is not in opposition to, to how can that happen. I don't believe that it's possible. But I think it's more a response of, of curiosity, like, okay, if God's going to do that, I just don't understand. You know, I'm not an educated girl. I am here. I, I am, you know, in this place. I know who I am, and I, don't, I know there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, I don't understand. And so I, how is that possible? Because I'm a virgin. How can I have a child? And that's when Gabriel responds saying, this is how it's going to happen. You're going to conceive through the Holy Spirit. Right? And Mary's response to that is, okay, all right. I'm the Lord's servant. Let your words be fulfilled. If you take nothing else away from today's message, I hope you will take away this thought. This story, this encounter that we read about today is about transformation. That's what happens when people follow and encounter God. Mary is transformed from someone who thinks, uh, who, who, who she thinks she is. She's transformed from somebody that she thinks she is, a poor girl, average life, nothing special, just another person in Nazareth to who God has called her to be. Someone God has chosen to be part of his plan, the mother of Jesus, blessed among women, someone who has made an impact on history. She's transformed from who she thinks she is to who God 
has called her to be. If you read this book of Luke, you find that the whole book is about God's upside down, beautiful, seemingly, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense, but he's got this plan for the world, and that plan is calling unlikely people and transforming them. He calls Nathaniel, who we heard about. Nathaniel, who is this guy, he's hating on his hometown of Nazareth, right? Like, really? Nazareth? And when he comes to meet Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, Nathaniel, I'm calling you, man. And guess what? You're going to see amazing things. You're going to see open heaven. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He calls Simon, who is this flaky, kind of wishy-washy, hot-tempered, unstable man, and he calls him Peter. He says, you're the rock, and on you, my church is going to be built. Jesus is calling people from who they think they are and bringing them into who he's made them to be. That they are chosen by God. They are called to be someone that is an important part of his story and his plan. And it's in those moments of calling in those moments, we choose how to respond. We can respond like Zachariah did, with hesitation and doubt. Or we can respond like Mary, with wonder and faith. You know, sometimes things don't happen in the timing that we wanted or expected. We think about the, the Israelites as they es escaped um, Egypt. They were enslaved. In Egypt, and as they're freed in Exodus 32, we know that that Moses goes up to meet with God, and these are people they've just been freed from slavery. They're out in the desert, they're worshiping God, and they see Moses go up the mountain, and they know that God's there. I mean, they know God's there, and what happens when Moses is delayed? When he doesn't come down in the time that they thought he would come down in, they assume, yeah, Moses is probably dead. <laughs> something bad happened. I don't know. He's not coming back. We need to do something. And so they begin to worship this golden calf. They shift their worship of God to something. Why? Because it wasn't in the timing that they expected. So that timing, that plan, like I said, I, I have no doubt that Zachariah and Elizabeth had hoped to have children early in their marriage, early in their life. They had hopes, they had desires, they had expectations as they were faithful people of how God would bless them, interact with them, and guide their life. And yet those things did not happen. And we have Mary, who is at the beginning of her life. Her future is still in, in terms of it's, it's coming soon, but it's not here yet that I'm going to be married and, I, and I'm in this process and this is what my life looks like. And then, wow, God comes and meets her and presents her with this huge revelation of you're going to be the mother of Jesus. God's waited too long. He's come too soon. The timing's not right. 
you know, like I said, we had such great uh, discussion in our life group uh, this past week. You know, I thought that we would revisit that in service uh, today. We haven't done that in a while. I know we did that for one uh, series, but uh, today, uh, you know, I want to break out and give you some time again in small groups. So if you guys would gather with some people around you, uh, keep the groups small enough that you think that everyone's going to be able to talk, right? Everyone that wants to talk, you know, no pressure to you know, hey, Maguma, you better give a good answer right now. Or DeAnthony, you're next. Or Neil, you know, it's just, hey, if you want to share, please, um, let's have those conversations. But uh, if you have the small group of questions, you know, let's ask each other, who do you identify more with at the moment? Just imagine if God came to you and he called you to something great like this, something miraculous, because both of these examples, they were not normal things, Right? Zachariah, Elizabeth, they're well long in their, their years, and now, hey, you're going to have a baby. Mary, she's a virgin. Hey, you're going to have the Son of God. Like, really? In those moments, just imagine yourself. It could be something way smaller than that. If God came to you and called you to something different than what you had expected or planned, how do you think you would respond today? Do you relate more with Zachariah or Mary? And the second question is, how have you experienced God's timing in your life? Uh, as you look back on your life, maybe you have an example of, of how God's timing worked out in your life. Uh, so let's get together in groups, and, uh, and we'll get into these questions. After your group time, I'll call you back. We'll, we'll go over the weekly challenge, and then we'll close the service. So go ahead. You guys can turn the lights on, and, and let's uh, break into groups. Jenny.
right, let's bring it back in. <clears throat> you guys, sounds like you, you're having some good conversations. If you enjoy that and you're not connected to a life group, please see one of the pastors. We love to connect you. Uh, it's so good when we can chew on the word together and, and hear uh, each person's kind of uh, response and experience. Uh, well, this week for your weekly challenge, you guys could get your phone, take a picture, or if you're uh, part of our emails, and you'll get this probably Tuesday. I usually send this out. Uh, but your no is read Luke chapter 1, 1 through 38. Think through each character's experience and consider how you would feel. That's, that's uh, kind of a basic thing. If you want extra credit, you're one of those people, then you know, I encourage you to try to read the whole book of Luke uh, sometime this month. Just keep working through it. It's really amazing. Uh, grow, consider and pray. You know, are you living in the identity of someone who is called by God? Are you living transformed by God? Do you feel that God has, has met you and that you're seeking after him with whatever you're doing in your life, uh, your career, with what you do with your free time? Or do you feel like, no, you know what? I had this idea of how my life is going to be or my parents told me how it's going to be and I've just been on these tracks, just going down the road, and, and I've never you know, experienced that. Just think about that. Pray about that. Uh, if you feel like you're not, or you feel like, you know what, I don't know. I'm not sure. Pray about that. Ask God, you know, God, please show me more of, of who you're calling me to be. Uh, because that is what we see, is, is that God is bringing us into a relationship of transformation. That we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are our learning how to be transformed okay and overflow uh this is uh you know this is all around us in this advent season is you know be a part of god's work in your community consider how you can bless someone in need um it could be someone that that you know is in need financially it could be someone that is just need of a smile of a friendly word in your office uh someone that uh, maybe you think is, hey, you know what, they're in need of some nice uh, holiday cookies, whatever it is. How do you feel that God is calling you to uh, be a part of what he's doing in your community, in your kind of network, if you will? All right, so that's your weekly challenge. If you guys will, would you join us for this closing song? And you guys can all uh, stand up for that.